0: There are, there are a few things that um, I have really been uh, excited about in my ministry, and this book is one of them. Uh, I feel like it's a 40-year process that God has taken me through to, to come to understand this. And so I'm going oh, to explain it kind of overall. Then we're going to go into uh, uh, Kara, which is the gift of joy. And we'll talk a little bit about that and, and, and specifically. Uh, but stop me at any point. If I'm not, if I'm not being clear about what, what we're discussing, be sure and just stop me and raise, raise your hand and we'll, we'll look at it a little closer. Okay? Um, how many of you saw the film Butterfly Effect? Aha! Way to go, Lee. One of the things I loved about the butterfly effect is that it talked about a worldwide ecosystem. And what what the theory of the butterfly effect, you can look it up, Seth, and Google it and see what it says. But the theory of it is that if a butterfly uh, uh, moves its wings in, like, China, it will impact the air in Santa Barbara. And the, the point of it is that everything in the world, and, and the film is fascinating. If you haven't seen it, it's a fascinating film. It, it's not so much about that, that theoretical thing as though talking about everything that happens to somebody has an effect and a, and a consequence and so on. But um, the, the thing that, that is important to understand is that everything in life is created in such a way to be impacted by everything else. We know that as Christians because God the creator formed this world and put it into action and that every law that he gave us, whether it's a physical law or a moral law, has in fact a, a reality to it. It's not that you can break the law of gravity, go down here and jump off a cliff and say, I'm going to break the law of gravity, any more than you can break the law of, of uh, faithfulness. If you're going to commit adultery, you're going to, you're going to be broken by that, and you're going to break the people around you. So the moral law is just as true and just as real. So God created the world in that way. <clears throat> Does that all make sense? <laughs> and so this is what God, the journey God took me on. When I was in seminary, I understood very well that the gifts, the spiritual gifts, and these are, by the way, nine categories I took, the twenty-eight subcategories that you get from Scripture. And in the book I have the little chart that shows how I put it into the nine. But the gifts of the Spirit are the way God does His work in the world. And God does His work in the world through the Church. And so each of us have been (coughs) given gifts to do our part of the work of the Church to change and transform the world. Okay, Does everybody understand that? Okay. Now, I understood that when I first started ministry 44 years ago. And so Cheryl and I developed a whole system of of helping people identify their gifts. And many of you have gone through this many years. And helping them identify their gifts, we we had all the different positions of the church uh, defined by gifts, and people could know what areas they could best serve God based on how God has gifted them and so on like that. So that's always been a part of my understanding. I also knew somewhat that the fruit of the spirit is an indication they'll know we are Christians by our love also by our joy by our peace by our patience by our kindness by our goodness by our faithfulness by our gentleness by our self-control those should be in that same kind of thinking within our minds and yet I And and by the way, uh, I say this in the book, that these are nine segments of one fruit. The fruit is a singular word that all of these define. So if you think of it like a a grapefruit and it has segments, well, these are the different segments of the fruit of the Spirit. And so unlike this, that somebody might have the gift of mercy and somebody else might have the gift of healing, this, everybody should have the fruit of of the spirit, and therefore all of these should be in uh, verified reality within a person's life. Now, I did not fully understand that until time went on and I, I started finding people coming in and they would say, I'd like to pray to have the, the fruit of patience. And the joke was, no, don't pray for right. patience because God <laughs> made your problems and so on. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Is that how we, we grow the fruit? Is it by walking a fruit of patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control, any of those? How do, you, how do you get the fruit? And I didn't fully understand uh, how you do the fruit. Over time, I began to realize that there, there must be something that we actually live in order for fruit to grow. Do you follow? Now, about, I don't know how many years ago, 30 years or so ago, uh, Richard Foster wrote the book called The Celebration of Discipline. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read that, be sure and do it. I'm sure the church, we used to pass them out by the, by the we case. We have a lot of copies. We have a lot of copies. So, If you want one, just talk to Nikki after class and she'll give it to you. you you'll want to read these and know what they are. But wh- what I understood... These are 12 verbs. They're 12 ways that we connect with God. Okay? We we pray. That's uh, often understood as making a speech to God. That's not what prayer is. (laughs) Prayer is mostly listening to God and letting him put thoughts and understandings and insights and guidance in your mind. I always think of it as last week when uh, Colleen talked about the Samuel, Samuel, that doesn't happen very often. I've only had a couple of times when God has really put a word in my, in my mind or an understanding in my mind. It's usually a deeper impression in my life. But I, I know people in our congregation who have visions, who have a words come to them quite often and so on. If you haven't seen the movie Harriet, have you seen it? Anybody seen it? Uh, she said that she spent her life not learning how to read but learning how to listen to the voice of God. And in the film, it shows where she's heading into danger and God speaks to her and she turns and takes her slave she's getting out of uh, slavery into freedom. Mm-hmm. And so that, that ability to listen. So these are, I won't go over all of them, I'm going to go over just a little bit just a couple of, of uh, ones that I think are often misunderstood. But these are ways that we spend time with God so that God can, like roots of a tree, mm-hmm. nourish us so that we can grow the various fruit of the Spirit. Do
1: mm-hmm.
0: you follow? Mm-hmm. Now, what most people find is that you're really good at some of the disciplines and not so good at the others. <laughs> and so that being true, you're probably pretty good at some of the fruit mm-hmm. and not so much at the others. And so what I did last summer, I was, uh, uh, two summers ago now, I was invited to speak at a That's why I made this banner. I was, it was at a camp. And uh, I decided I'm going to turn that around. And I'm going to say, okay, what about the fruit would tell you what kind of spiritual discipline you need to be doing? And so you can. In fact, uh, one of the, the first people who bought the book uh, put a review on Amazon and said, you know, I realized that the book could be used almost like an encyclopedia thing. You say, okay, I need the gift of patience. So you go to that chapter on patience. And then it, it helps you understand what you should be doing with God so that you can grow the gift of patience. And then patience helps you understand. Like, like let's, let's do a leadership that I was talking about this morning. Let's say you have the gift of leadership. Now imagine a person with the gift of leadership who has no patience. <laughs> Difficult. Difficult. <laughs> Difficult. Yeah, or any do. of them. Love, no joy, no peace. You know? I mean, we all see leadership that's that's missing these kinds of things. And so you recognize, and you can use any of the book does this. We go through Depending on what your gift is, it would say, okay, this is what it would look like if you don't have this fruit, as we go through each chapter. Do you follow? And so it, it helps you figure out, if, if, if you uh, are working with someone and you can see that they're very gifted, but for some reason their, their gifts don't produce good fruit in themselves or others, why is that? <coughs> gifted people are all around us. God God gives every single one of us a gift. Whether we're Christians or not, by the way. Uh, But he gives us gifts, and we either use them for him or we don't use them for him. We either use them with the fruit, flavored with the fruit of the Spirit, or not flavored with the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's an ecosystem. These people help us do these things. Like when you have a person with the gift of... uh, proclamation or worship—they help us to spend time with God in uh, uh, celebration, confession, worship, guidance. You follow? And so that's why it's an ecosystem. So let me go go on to that. When you when you look at it, this is the tree we couldn't use this one because I got it off the internet, and so that would be a. A copyright problem so this is uh our book they they had somebody draw it and i like that they add more roots to it so mm-hmm. you can understand that there's a lot yeah. mm-hmm. i would have rather they had 12 roots but you know mm-hmm. i wouldn't have <laughs> i told him i did want nine fruit and so we had nine fruit <laughs> but but look at how this flavors the gifts the gifts help us do the spiritual disciplines who so help grow the spiritual fruit and so on in an ecosystem of mm-hmm. uh, reinforcing experience within the church and by church I don't mean necessarily one local congregation I mean the church in Santa Barbara in the world in all places at all times uh, the, the church is the means by which God saves the world it's the instrument of salvation the Bible calls it it's the, the important ingredient of that and I can I can go to that for hours if you want to know the psychology behind it, if you want to know the sociology behind it, why we need to be a part of a community, why community matters, why we grow in that. Uh, but you don't have to know all that to experience it. You know? uh, but but we, all, we all do these kinds of gifts to accomplish these things, which then grow the fruit. Okay, is there any question about anything I've said so far? That doesn't make sense, David? I'm just thinking the, the disciplines make the good soil that Jesus spoke of of the sower and the seed, right? Absolutely. It's a hundredfold. You know, one of the gospel says a hundredfold, Luke does, and of course Matthew, it says 130 and 60. Some soil's okay and some great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I talk about that in the book that imagine that if you plant your roots in toxic soil, what will that grow? Nothing usually. (laughs) 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 Nothing or toxic, right? Yeah. (laughs) We we have, uh, down here by the counseling center, we have two uh, orange trees. And my cousin from Oklahoma came and and saw it and goes, Oranges, can I have them? And I said, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) They're terrible. (laughs) 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 And so she took them, you know, and did all that. And I don't know why they're terrible. I think probably there's not much soil there or whatever it is. Uh, we also don't take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That helps. So, uh, helps any, any other Your comments or observations? <laughs> I want to talk just about a few of these things because I found that there's some uh, difficulty that happens. Uh, when, when I taught... I, those of you who've been around a while know that I took uh, a whole year to speech, teach the spiritual disciplines, focusing on the one each time. Right? And when I did the one on meditation... I was attacked pretty vehemently by someone who had uh, listened to people that had a, who had attacked uh, Richard Foster, and uh, one of the things that they had attacked him about in his original volume, which he changed in the other volumes, was he wasn't as clear about meditation being, in fact, a Christian act. And most people think when they hear the word meditation, what religion do you think of? <laughs> New Age or Buddhism or something (laughs) of the Orient, right? Because you think of the the mantras, the the closing of the Chantra, all those different kinds of things. That's not what's meant by Christian and it's it's a different uh, practice. So what is meditation in the Christian realm? It's thinking about the truths of God. It's spending time meditating on His Word. uh, It's different but it's a parallel. I mean, it's not parallel, but it's... I I don't know how to hold this into it. It it combines this wonderful meditation and study so that you read the Word of God and then you meditate on the Word of God. Uh, If you just read the Word of God and then don't think about it for the rest of the day, you'll, you'll miss the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out by the truth that He's given you through His Word, right? You have to meditate on it. Same kind of thing with prayer. As I said a moment ago, we tend to, in our hecticness, just bounce into prayer, talk, to, tell God something, and then go back and go on our way. Well, meditation is the, is the parallel with prayer in which you quiet yourself, you listen to God, you're prepared to hear Him, and you're prepared to, to not so much tell Him what it is that needs to be done, as it is to receive from Him what needs to be done. This is what the longest of the Psalms addresses, isn't it? Oh Psalm yeah, 19, all about that. Over and over. It's intercession. Intercession. Intercession, intercession is, a, is a form of prayer. Intercession is praying for someone else. But who do you pray for? You stop. You meditate. God brings them to your mind. You pray for them. Pastors do that. I mean, I did that every day, and I still do it. Actually, today I ask God to. Make me aware of the person who comes across my path or just happens to show up at church that I'm ready to to enter into some deeper uh, opportunity of counsel or mercy or whatever it is that needs to be done.
1: Well, I think God can bring you to your mind.
0: It, it's, it's definitely a part of meditation, yes. listening to what God has to say. So let me do, let me do the next one. Uh, one of the things that I, I say this to, to leaders all the time, pastors all the time, and especially when they go from associate to lead pastor, and I said that, this to Colleen when she did, is that the, the more responsibility, the more time <laughs> you need to spend in solitude. Uh, Wesley, when he had a really busy day, he, he got up at 5.30 every day, but you have to realize he went to bed at 9.30, right? Everybody, whenever he says he, he got up at 5.30, you no, know, he went to bed at 9.30. So he got eight <laughs> hours. But on the days when he had a whole lot to do, he would get up an hour extra and pray more in preparation for what he needed to do. Because we need to have that time in silence, solitude, the early morning is a wonderful time because usually it's very quiet. Just the birds are up as soon as the sun comes up. You know, it's, it's very quiet to do that. I, for uh, all of my all of my last forty-four years, gotten up and I take a walk along the Wilcox property, and I, I love the waves, the birds, uh, the dogs have kind of taken over now, but they didn't <laughs> used to. You know. But it's a it's a wonderful thing. Uh, the other thing uh, that silence does is the other
1: part of this.
0: And pray. Yeah, it's my prayer. prayer. It's my prayer, silence, meditating, time with God. Uh, The important thing of silence, too, is that recognizing God's voice is more difficult and easier at the same time. And you have to spend time learning the voice of God as contrasted with your own desires, your own fears, your own thoughts, your parents' tapes, societal expectations. All, all different kinds of things that are always kind of ruminating in your mind. It, it, it does not work really well to try to not have thoughts. That is more Buddhist uh, kind of thinking, to empty your mind. That's not what we mean by silence or meditation. We mean to allow your thoughts to be in God's mind and his thoughts to become your thoughts. His ways, your ways. Does that make sense? Uh, so, I think... If there's anything that's probably missing in our hecticness, and I think you guys, you know, I don't see a lot of really young people who have Travis's here, Travis here uh, and Nikki, but you know, the, the younger people who, ha- who are digital natives and who have to have the, the phones in their hands and so on. I actually see people out on Wilcox property with buds in their ears. And I think, oh, that's so sad. They don't hear the waves. They don't hear, you know, that they may be doing, I don't know, classical music or something, which is great, but I'd still say silence is, is a necessary part of that kind of thing. Um, but one of the things that I think is, has happened to our society with, I mean, I grew up with no TV Jazz five, and then we had three stations that went off at, at like 11 o'clock at night, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you have, what, 200 stations, all kinds of talking heads, and they mainly want you to get mad at somebody. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're going into all of this. Right? What does that do to the soul? That's why I think that this is one of the practices that our our society today needs more. Um, when I when I was a teenager, I worked on the farm for my uncle, and we would literally have all day out on a tractor, and I sang every Christian song I knew. I thought of every th- verse I'd ever read. I, you know, imagine what a shepherd like David did with his thought in his time as he was growing up. We, we, don't, we don't tend to have that, and I just want to encourage you that that's one of the things I'd really focus on. Uh, the, the, the next thing which is kind of para, uh, a part of that is simplicity. And simplicity <laughs> is something that is important to make our life simple, to remove all the possessions that possess you to be able to, in fact, make first things first. And that's a lot harder than people realize. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very easy. I mean, I have this conversation, you know, uh, at least once a week when I was in ministry of people that were giving their lives to work and the family suffering. Mm -hmm. And I just had that conversation actually yesterday with someone that they were ready to give up the marriage because there was no communication. The spouse was at work all the time. Well, you know, finding the balance and finding the place is, is hard, but it has to be done. <clears throat> Does that all make sense? So you know you know what simple, Cheryl and I, uh, when we were in seminary, simple lifestyle was a, a big, big thing. And, and uh, we tried that, and some, some things in simple lifestyle actually are more work. And so you have to figure out, you know, what is and isn't. Like, if you're going to grow your own food, that's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, then the last thing that I wanna, want to mention before I go on to this, this one example is fasting. Uh, part, of the, part of the reason that we misunderstand the body and soul relationship is that we are inverted beings. In the, in the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek version of the Old Testament Hebrew, so it's the Greek Bible, there are three <coughs> words that stand for life. There is zoe, which is spiritual life. There is Suke, which is psychological life. And there is bios, which is biological life. Now when God created Adam from the dirt, right, he breathed into him. And what do you think of those three kinds of life he gave them. Biological. Not biological. That's no. the that's the one that all of us think because yeah. we think, oh you know, God created Adam out and of the dirt. Amen. But if you if you realize that he probably created him out of the the dirt, out of the the primordial ooze or whatever you want to say, he had biological life. And we can if we go into that that's a long discussion. But but the other two, zoe psyche, spiritual and psychological life, is what he had to give him. He had to give him a, a, a soul, suitcase, uh, the, the soul, the spiritual life, and he had the, the psychological life. And it him zoe, eternal life, uh, the life that God lives. And so those, those two terms, what happens oftentimes in a person's life, is we get them inverted, in which the biological, the psychological, which subverts the spiritual into service of the biological urges and drives and desires. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Do you follow? Mm -hmm. So then we're inverted. That's that's what happened to Eve when they decided that the fruit was luscious and delicious and they were going to satisfy their tongue and their stomach more so than their life with God. Mm -hmm. And so they inverted us And so all of us are born in that way that we have to learn how to in fact as this statement says by fasting the body learns to obey the soul because the soul says to the body no, we're not going to eat we're going to spend time with God and we're going to nourish the the soul and the spirit do you follow? And then by praying the soul learns to command the body In which then you can say to the body as we have to say no you're not going to satisfy that urge by immorality or unhealthiness you're going to be healthy and moral that's we're spiritual beings you know as as Taylor Shadan says we are spiritual beings with a momentary physical experience we are not physical beings with momentary spiritual experiences and so we have to always remember that, that this, what we're experiencing now, is, is going to be a blip in our eternal existence. So how do we prepare then? We prepare by being what God created Adam and Eve to be at the very beginning. Zoe, sight biological beings. With Zoe at the top, the spiritual at the top. Okay, Fasting is the best way to do that fasting and then also uh, uh, Russell gave a great sermon in, uh, in a Westmont of, what, a month ago or so about training of the body and that if, you don't, if you're not in charge of your body, your body will be in charge of you and if you're not training the body to be all it's supposed to be then you're going to have all kinds of problems health problems as well as just not being able to achieve what your body could achieve in terms of life Okay, does all that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So let me let me talk about growth. Um, we're all going to grow, right? <laughs> you know, you're either going to grow in good ways or bad ways. Will we be fruitful disciples who love God and love others? Or will we grow into malformed creatures who love no one, replacing love with desire for this world's money, sex, power? Those are the three kind of categories that... that Christianity over the centuries has identified as the problem, money, sex, and power. There there are, of course, categories of things. You know, it's not the money itself or the sex itself or the power itself. It's all all kinds of things together. So where are we going to put our roots is the question. What kind of soil do we put our roots in? And what is it going to grow then? Does that make sense? Because you're going to grow You know, as as they say in counseling, as we get older, we become more so. (laughs) Whatever you were before, you're going to become more so. So do you like what you are? (laughs) You You want to change something to do that. Some suggest that we rest in the grace of God to cover our sins. This is a theological difference between Wesleyan thought and some other thoughts. Though it's true that it's only by Christ's sacrifice that we can have life, I'll move over here. It's also true... Whoops, I can't read it. It's also true that God does not leave us in our former state. He provides the means of grace whereby we can grow into his likeness. But to experience that growth requires a partnership or covenant between us and God. So, within Wesleyan thought, which is within this whole branch of the church that Covers a whole lot of different denominations, but Methodists, Free Methodists, Nazarene, um, Assemblies of God, a, a lot of the, of the churches of the world, um, and the, a, a lot of the Charismatic movement, and so on, which is Wesleyan in its thought. We believe that God forgives our sins and cleanses us, and changes us, and make, <coughs> remakes us into new creatures. There are those who believe that we cannot really change in this lifetime that God simply covers up our sin and doesn't hold it against us. Do you follow? And so if, if you've been taught that, I would just point out to you that when we're thinking about growth, we're not just talking about God covering our sin. And there are persons that say that. They don't make this up out of the air. <laughs> they read the scripture a different way. But we, we take those verses which say we, we become a new creature. We put on the new clothes. We, be, we become like Christ. We have Christ's likeness and so on. And so we believe it's possible as you go through life to become more fruitful. Does that make sense? So there's lots and lots of hope. Uh, we were with a group of pastors one time and, and we were talking about, you know, is it really possible for people to change? And, you know, everybody kind of looks around and it's hard and so on like that. And we said, well, have you changed? And every single one of them said, well, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I've changed a lot. Probably the same thing would be true with you. You know, how has God changed you? What, what, what kind of person are you now compared to what you were? And God has been doing tremendous things within your life. And so that's a, a, a part of what we're talking about when we talk about growth. So then, oh, and the last part of that is what I want to focus on now, is that we, in fact, have a partnership. Oh, that doesn't really show, does it? Uh, we have a partnership, or what the scriptures call a covenant or a testament between us and God, an agreement, a contract between us and God. And so then, this is Paul's words in Colossians, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up and strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Now I know that this this uh, people kind of get this weird look on their eyes whenever I talk about uh, kinds of, of speech and and uh, the words and what they mean and all that. Very important. So bear with me, okay? That you, <laughs> we need to understand what the Bible is actually saying in order to understand and apply it for our lives. This. Uh, let me see, do I talk about that? Yeah, let me, me, uh, this word receive. We receive Christ Jesus as our Lord. He becomes our Savior and our Lord is an aorist tense. Now by that we mean it happened when it happened and it's continuing to happen throughout every day of our lives. That's aorist. It's a very unusual use of the the verb. And when it, when, uh, this is a big thing that Wesley talked about in terms of being completed or perfect in love, that it's something that happens and continues to happen every day of your life as you continue to, to walk with him. Okay, does that make sense? These three words, though, being rooted, built up, and strengthened, they have, they have a different tense than Paris. Uh Each of these four words, these are just quotes out of the book uh, for those of you who You you can just get two of those. Each of these four words are what scholars call actions or verbs, the last three of which uses a perfect tense. That means that something was done in the past but has an ongoing effect until it is completed. So we can expect that in the perfect sense, in the future we will become perfect in being rooted, in being built up in Christ. Do you follow so different different from Erist. Mm-hmm. Erist is something that was completed and is ongoing every day, as though you're doing it again and again and again. Uh, one of the things that was a great argument in Christian uh, history was what happens in communion? Are we re-sacrificing Christ every time that we bless the elements? We should pray
1: pray before we take it we should prepare our hearts and we should uh, repent for anything that we've done. Absolutely. we Absolutely it. there has to be
0: confession otherwise yeah. there has not, to be confession but we're not but we're not re <laughs> uh, sacrificing christ mm-hmm. it happened once mm-hmm. but every time we take it it's as though he did it again for us mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. he died for me yeah. he died for you and that's that's this amazing uh, so but the perfect sense it's going to be something and this is the part that i want to point out is that it's a middle or passive voice now middle voice is, is the way i would translate that is that it is something that god does paradoxically and something that we do in response it's the middle it's not we that does it it's not god that does it It's that we do it together with God. And so, once we are recipients of being received by God, then we are capable of responding to Him. This receiving of Christ as our Lord is in the aorist. In other words, this growth and all we want is paradoxical. God does it and we do it. God roots and builds and strengthens, while we root and build and strengthen in response to God's perfect and ongoing empowerment. Uh, just just the word response ability think of the word I love that word it 's a response ability it 's an ability that comes when we respond to what God has the power has to do mm-hmm. so when we give someone a response ability, we need to give them the authority and um, uh, accountability and so on that the response requires, but also the ability and only God can give you the, the gifting or the ability to do it uh, so we grow in god 's perfect presence, rooting us in soil that can nourish, strengthening us into his perfect likeness into his holy love okay I said all that any comments so then I want I want to talk then about joy because uh, uh, love joy care that wonderful Expression is something that is often misunderstood. And uh, as I was looking at how do you grow joy, I was actually surprised because I haven't really thought it through in this way. And so that's why I, I put it up here for you. This is what Paul says to the church in Colossae He says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. So God rips us in his way, his truth is life, and we grow in our rootedness as we dig deep into God. And these are the, the what Wesley calls the primary means of growth or development, the means of grace. So prayer, worship, study, those are the, the three that almost any time you're talking about any fruit of the Spirit... Those would be kind of at the top of your list. (coughs) Silence, meditation, service, all the others. Another way of saying it is that joy doesn't just happen. It happens in the divine human interaction. It's not the same thing as happiness. Mm -hmm. Happiness comes from what happens to happen to you. If we all walk out here and we got a flat tire, we're not going to be very happy. (coughs) But we can have joy. Joy is not based on circumstance. It's not based on, on what happens to happen to us. It's based on who God is within our lives that will walk us through even the most horrendous of circumstances. Do you follow? The hymn says it pretty well, right? If you want joy, you praise for it. Yes. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. Yeah. Our hymn is hymnity is fantastic mm-hmm. for teaching the fruit of the Spirit or anything actually. So we
1: should grow up, like it says in the Bible, uh palm tree straight up. if you go straight, you'll get if you turn to the left, you won't. It's straightness. It's like
0: so another way of saying it is that joy doesn't just happen, it happens a divine human. Thus, to experience simple, unadulterated joy, we need God and we need to actively participate in the interactions <coughs> God provides. So I want you to look at this for just a moment. Let's say that you... What, what, okay, from that last sentence,
1: actively participate in the interaction. So does that mean our human interaction, or does it...
0: Divine human. Okay. So that, that's what I'm going to have you do. You're right on schedule. <laughs> so, now, let's say that you're a Puritan and don't have any joy in your Christian faith. Okay? Where, what kinds of things could you do with God in His presence that would grow joy? Look through and see, see what you think. Worship. 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 Worship and
1: celebration. Celebration.
0: Service. Service? Uh huh. Oh, yeah.
1: Confession.
0: Confession. Yeah. Prayer. You're weighted down. Prayer. Yeah. Prayer is almost true of, of everyone because. Prayer is spending time with God, uh, but absolutely. So, so you, you, get the, you get the feeling. Uh, one of the interesting things to me about Christian life is that most often we actually do know what we should do, we don't do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now that's the pervertedness of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so you want to always confess the truth I don't have joy, so what could I be doing? Because confession is the beginning of all healing. That's true psychologically. You get a person to acknowledge where they are, then there's hope for <coughs> restoration or healing or whatever it is, right? If they're not ready to own something, don't push them though. They, they, have, to come, they have to be ready to own whatever it is at their own pace. So, um, well, let's go on and look. Wesley, as I said, called a means of grace, uh, put it paradoxical verbs, we as mortal, finite, troubled, and troubling beings join with the infinite, eternal, perfect, and perfecting Almighty. Due to this covenant relationship, God works with us in ways that do not overwhelm us, securing our freedom, dignity, and joy in the process. Part of the problem with having a relationship with God Almighty, creator of the universe, is is what the ancients called a Susan tree covenant, which meant the king decrees what you have to do and you have to do it because you're not an equal. Right? That's not the kind of covenant that we find in the Bible. The Bible explains that God comes to us And he comes as a servant so that we might have life and have it abundantly, eternally in him. Now that's a whole different kind of of relationship and and covenant relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So he does not overwhelm us in ways that remove our freedom. Some people have said, well, once you become a Christian, you can't sin because God has taken over well that's not true. God does not remove your freedom of choice. No matter you, you can definitely be a Christian and do something wrong. You need to confess it and ask him to forgive and cleanse, like you did when you first started, but that's the same thing that's true every time. You know, as we talked about, about communion. Every time you you go into the presence of God, you need to confess. It's a part of prayer. You know, I use P-R-E-Y, which is the second word of repentance, which is. You need to go to God in praise, and then repentance, asking Him to point out anything that you need to stop doing or start doing any sin that's in your life. Because that will come to your mind and interfere with your relationship with God. Right? And so those are the things that, that He will not overwhelm our freedom, nor does He take away our dignity as though we're peons in the kingdom of God which, as some people would say, we get peed on. Because of it, it, it. But we have joy in the process. Okay, David. I've been reading Augustine. and He's a pretty gnarly guy. And one thing he says is um, that now pride and confidence in oneself is actually kind of demeaning. It says, this sounds a little strange at first, but the reason why is that humility before God is humility before that which is, there's nothing better than that. One of the things that, that I discovered, which is which is fascinating, is that someone who will not forgive themselves, even though they know God has forgiven them, for a long time I didn't understand where does that come from. And then God revealed it to me one day as I was working with a person that it comes from their pride, that they they are more uh, they are more pure than God. God might forgive, but. Yeah, I have higher standards than God Because God would forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive me. I could never forgive myself on that. Well, that's pride. And once you, once you know it and you identify it, then you confess it and you can find forgiveness. Cleansing, because now you can, you can get out what it is. We cannot grow the fruit of the Spirit just by wishing or wanting. And there's a, it, it, it's interesting to me that the two Greek words, one meaning wishing, phileo, and one meaning the end or completion of all things, teleo, is just one letter different. And so it's easy for us to confuse wishing that I had more love and peace and joy and actually having more love and peace and joy. Do you follow? So you can say, oh, I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want this to define. When, when they gather at my funeral, I want them to say I had all the fruits of the Spirit. That's wishing. <laughs> you might want it a whole lot even, but that's not going to get it there. You know, What's going to grow it is in fact spending times with God in this wonderful interaction in which we interact with God to produce the fruit of the Spirit, what, whatever fruit we're talking about, but here we're talking about joy. Similarly, the various fruit benefit from specific roots, as I said a moment ago, in order to produce the result of selfless love, complete joy perfect peace, forbearing patience, unexpected kindness, authentic goodness, sincere faithfulness, godly gentleness, consistent self-control. So it's a specific thing that we do. Now, the person using the God-given ability does not in, uh, does so in a mature, fruitful way. So now we're thinking about once we have joy, because we've celebrated, we've gone to worship, celebration, you know, the chapter on that, I mean, the the statements on that end of the book are the celebrating of what God has done and is doing. It's a form of thanksgiving. The, the actual biblical word for communion is Eucharist. And Eucharist is the Greek word meaning thanks, thankfulness. Giving thanks to God. So when we gather we're celebrating the thanksgiving for what God has done for us and wants to do that day in and through the sacrament, through the, the fellowship of the church and so on like that and the other you know, almost any of these as I said can but some, some develop it better than others I think celebration is one of the most important of joys and so we'll see that um, this is, this is the, the, the portion of scripture that I use that really helped me to understand something I didn't understand about joy we tend to think of joy as something that we focus on in ourselves that I have joy That's not what this scripture says. Celebrate, so we know what the spiritual discipline is, that brings about joy. Celebrate the festival of tabernacles for seven days, which one of the things I think is we don't spend nearly enough time on our holy days. I love Christmas because most people take five and six and sometimes two weeks off and so on. Holy week, yeah, if people take it off and do everything, but a lot of times people don't come to the to the uh, communion, the, the Christ Seder. They don't come to the, to the Friday night uh, celebration of darkness and so on. And so they're not ready for Easter Sunday morning because they haven't put their time into it. But that's just it's a whole separate class. I'll, I'll <laughs> talk about <that> something. <laughs> um, but for seven days, you've gathered to produce, uh, gathered the produce of your threshing floors and winepress. Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will become teleos, complete, full, mature, fruit becomes mature when we focus in on the joy that we are meant to give others in our celebrations
1: mm.
0: do you follow mm-hmm. that's why it's more blessed to give than receive mm-hmm. i mean any parent knows that you're not going to get any gifts from your kids at any age by the way we found out of that, <laughs> that much you know to you but you get to give, and that's the joy, watching them open the present that you got them or watching them experience that. Your joy is complete in that. So we celebrate. So the, the question that I would ask you, and, and the book does this a lot, at the end of every chapter, uh, there's uh, t- uh, 10 questions, I think, something like that. There's a, a group of questions that uh, allows you to personally think through Each of these fruit of the Spirit. So, in in celebration, do you celebrate? That's a question you should ask yourself. If something good happens, do you celebrate it? Or do you just go on the next day as though nothing good happened? Or something like that. Do you celebrate regularly for seven days? (laughs) With your sons and daughters, your male and female employees, your pastors the immigrants, the orphans, the widows. Celebration must include the community if we're going to have joy. It, it, it's not enough mm-hmm. for us as, as Christians together, and we're joyful, we're happy, when there are people around us living in such a place of joylessness mm-hmm. and hopelessness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the fruit of the Spirit is always has within it something that's very very personal between us and God and very social between us and our neighbor. So we love God with everything and we love our neighbor as we love <laughs> ourselves. Their joy is what brings us joy. And our joy is mature, the mature fruit of God, if we focus on their joy. You follow? Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Um, and then have you heard people talk about or do you talk about certain churches like exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit?
0: Or like, could you ever celebrate like, this church really exhibits peace as a body, or patience as a body? Or can we talk about it as a church? Like, I would not. Okay. You uh, I wouldn't encourage that for, for this reason. You're absolutely accurate that certain kinds of theologies and communities probably practice the presence of God in certain ways that produce certain fruit mm-hmm. more so than other fruit. It's not healthy... For us to think that well we need to get peace over here and joy over here. And, you know we should each one have all nine segments of the fruit <laughs> and every church should have all nine segments of the fruit.
1: But I, yeah totally I okay. guess I often hear spiritual fruitfulness only spoken of for individuals and maybe I've never really heard of it spoken of for like churches or institutions. And maybe I think that would be more helpful, right? Or yeah. true to like. When I'm I'm not
0: sure that's anything. my experience, but if yeah. that's your experience, yeah, we definitely need to help help every church realize that we need to have all of them. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so it, do you have a joyful church, a loving church? I mean, that's that's one of the things uh, I think Colleen's mentioned it. Uh, that she and I experienced with somebody we were we were having them for lunch for uh, bringing them welcoming them to the church and we said how do how you, how'd you uh, come to us and she goes well you know we were we were kind of looking for a church and my friend who doesn't go here said well go to that church where they're always laughing on the deck
1: <laughs>
0: and that's kind of uh, the reality we're we're considered a loving church in fact I had a pastor a, a team of pastors from a, a very large church here in town come to see me. Because they wanted to know how did we get love because they weren't experienced love among the congregational memory, mm-hmm. members. Mm-hmm. If, if, if that's what you're doing. Their, their church had a theology that wasn't relational, which is what Wesleyan theology is relational theology. They were concerned more about being right than being loving. Mm-hmm. And so I pointed that out to them and... and uh, Theology is a hard thing to change, right? Uh, Okay, I pointed that out already. Make us joyful, I pointed about that already. Seven days, I pointed that out. So clearly, celebration is a spirit, as a spiritual day, uh, celebration spiritual discipline is not going off alone and making myself feel happy. So that's something to recognize about all the gifts, but certainly that. You love is obvious. Self-love, you know, it has to have love of God and love of others. So it's always got the outward peace always has internal and outward. I have to share something.
1: My youngest um, granddaughter um, who goes to Mount Carmel because that's, outside side Family. Um, she was only. She's 11 now. And when she was around four or five, I don't know what kind of conversation we were having, but she said to me, "You know, Grandma, we have to love ourselves before we can love anybody else." You know, I mean, I mean, that's kind of a given. But when you hear it from a young child, the wisdom becomes huge.
0: Unless we become like a child. You know, that, that's where actually simplicity... I think, I think oftentimes we make things far more complex. Okay. Um, another verb that grows joy is worship. You guys all mentioned that. Uh, for much the same reason as celebration, worship is the gathering of the people into the presence of God. And what we're feasting on in worship is the love, the love of God and love of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things... In fact, I had a seminary professor come to our church, probably I'd been a pastor four or five years, and I had instituted this sharing of praises and prayer requests. And he told me, oh, no, don't, don't do that, because you'll get really <laughs> weird things happening. You know, people will stand up and say weird things and stuff like that. And there, there has been times over the years where weird things have happened. One time somebody stood up and said, I just want everybody to know Texas is a part of the union. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is.
1: <laughs>
0: we can pray for Praise that. God praise God <laughs> but my I don't know what services you were in this morning but I was in 11 o'clock, wow there's nothing more valuable to experience community and the love of others than a sharing of what God is doing both in terms of it's pain and it's joy mm-hmm. we laugh with those who laugh and we mourn with those who mourn that's community and that's, that's love and so it's a feast of love and today's uh, and I've already said all this. Oftentimes people do, though, feel too busy to come to worship. In fact, it's become normative for some people to say, I'm regular in worship when they come like every other week or once a month or something. But that's not what God said. He said, every Sabbath day, every seven days, gather with the people in the house of God, this house of prayer. And I always think of it in terms of, I can only be a Christian for six days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> then I need to come together and I need to have a, 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 a refueling a shot of, of God's grace uh, simplifying is then, then another word that I would put in for joy uh, the hecticness and the responsibility because we take too much too many possessions possess us and we have to now take care of them um, you know all of that so those are the three that I, that I put in the book and the question again, do we? Do we celebrate, worship? Do we simplify our lives? Do we make room? And then the last one is fasting. And well, I've already talked about fasting quite a bit, so I won't talk about it here. But uh, one of the things that I started doing, and, and it, it happened probably 10 years ago before this current political uh, situation only exacerbated it, is that people were starting to listen to the talking heads so much that they were becoming depressed and anxious and fearful and angry, and so I started actually prescribing. You know, I, I want you to fast from that. Get your information by written word, and then you know what's going on in the world. And there's lots of ways you can you can do that. But uh, now, if that doesn't bother you, if you're not anxious, if you're not getting angry, if you if you uh, don't you know. Uh, think bad things about people if you're not, you know, then it's not a problem for you. But if it is, then you might want to fast for a while. Uh, do it once a month or something. Uh, but fasting, you can fast from anything that harms your soul or your body in order to spend time with God. You don't want to fast from salad, <laughs> right? Okay service is another that that some of you mentioned joyful service to the Lord Um, I run out of time so let me uh, now I already talked about leadership, leadership without joy teaching without joy all those worship uh, trying to lead worship without joy all of those kinds of things flavor how we serve God in such a way that they really aren't serving God Uh, that's the scary part about it if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit flowing through our, our gifts, then we're not serving God. And we're oftentimes serving self or something like that. So it's a really helpful thing to, to stop and say, okay, in my service to God, do I have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Just simple kindness, goodness. Simple goodness, you know. And so I talk about all those, I, I look at each of the fruit of the spirit in terms of each of the spiritual gifts. Um, we don't really have time. Let me do one of these. Uh, and when I was teaching this for the very first time, a professor that at the camp where I was said, oh, you've got to read Hidden Life of Trees. And it's a fascinating book. Uh, it's done by a forester, not Christian, in Germany, who looked at old growth forests and found out how trees interact with each other in ways that produce health and wholeness. And so I have a whole chapter there on that that is just a fascinating interaction. It's like chapter 11 or 12 or something like that, that really isn't talking about this directly, but I relate it to it directly. And he says, for example, the roots are the most important part of the tree and that a whole forest is interacted. And in fact, they share nutrients, moisture, information with each other, But they share it through uh, this, uh, I forget what it's called, some kind of moss. I don't know if I have it up here. No. But there's some kind of of moss. Like if we're two trees, there's something between us. It's not so much that my roots interact with his roots, but there's a moss between us like the Holy Spirit that communicates and Mm -hmm. nourishes and cares. And My presence in your life and your presence in mine Mm -hmm. helps us to... Grow and develop and take care of each other and warn each other. Trees that are going into droughts from the outside of the forest end will communicate. You know, don't don't put a lot into growing leaves this year. You're not going to have enough enough moisture. You know, whatever it might be. I and mean, there's it talks about deciduous and all kinds of things, mutual growth, a root of protection, divided growth. You know that that when you have a tree that that starts with two two trunks, what that does when you're divided, you can't serve both both God and and, Mm -hmm. uh, possessions and so on Uh, disinfecting, fascinating things on that, hemiparasites these are like mistletoe that lives Mm -hmm. off the tree and it's not a parasite in that it doesn't take everything it needs from the tree, it photosynthesizes but it's not its own roots and so that stops you and think, do I have hemiparasites <laughs> in my life <laughs> who are living off me? And uh, are, they, are they taking from me in a way that's harmful? Uh, then this is how, where I am. If you have time to complain and check social media, then you have time to pray, <laughs> meditate, write in your journal, or make a list of things you're grateful for. <laughs> Just a just a simple reminder that we all have uh, the same amount of hours in the day and, and are you spending time with God and what, what is your fruit? Okay? So do you want to pray or let me pray? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for every person who is here. Thank you for your word that teaches us truth. Help us to become healthy, mature, fruitful servants of yours knowing you in all the ways we can know you, all 12 of the ways, and allow you to be the true rootedness of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.